You're listening to the Teach Better Talk podcast featuring expert educators eager to share progressive tactics to reach more students. Teach Better Talk is created by teachers and fueled by passion. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 10 of Teach Better Talk. I'm Ray Hewart and as always, I'm with the wonderful Jeff Gargas. Hey we have, hey Jeff, we have so much in store, Jeff. I'm so excited because we're not only talking to an incredible educator, but just been a great week. And before we get into all the details, Jeff, how are you? Ray, I am doing absolutely amazing. I'm I'm super excited about uh, our our chat or our, our conversation that we're about to have here. Episode number ten. I can't believe that we're ten episodes in already. I can't uh, this believe is it. Awesome. We've had some great conversations, and we're, I'm excited about another one right here. We've got the one and only Roman Novak with us who we've had the pleasure of connecting with on Twitter, I don't even like a year ago or so. And he's been involved in our Twitter chats a lot. Now he's got uh, his own Twitter chat, which is a hashtag BeKindEDU um, that goes on on Sunday evenings. He's up in Rockland, Ontario. He's a high school English teacher. And uh, I think we all consider him to be one of our good friends and an inspiration to us all the time. Um, Roman, super, super excited to have you on. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day. I know you're just getting started with school, so we really appreciate you still jumping on with us uh, tonight after a long day. How are you feeling right now, sir? I'm doing well, but I will say I am tired. It has been a long day. It's going to be a big <laughs> week, but you know what? It's all good and still full of energy, so that's what's important. Awesome. You know, Roman, Jeff gave you a pretty good introduction, but like you said, I feel like we've gotten to know you for so long because we've, I mean, I feel like we connected with you on social media a year ago. We've been interacting almost daily ever since. But besides the introduction that Jeff gave, what type of response do you give people when they ask you what you do? I always like to talk about how I'm a learner and an educator because I think those two go hand in hand. Uh, but any chats or any ways that I usually introduce myself, I always include sort of three titles. So I do still consider myself, I'm a high school teacher. So, I mean, that's part of who I am, but I also add two other elements to, uh, when I introduce myself and that's a student success leader. It's actually a title that I used to hold in my previous job, uh, where I'd be working to support student success, uh, for high school students. Uh, but I think every teacher in a sense is a student success leader. And I think, uh, we need to lead that whole idea of success for all. So I like to include that and I also include agent of transformation because I think we need transformation in education and transformation is ongoing. So I like to always put that there. And then to me, it's more than just being the quote unquote teacher. And so now when I introduce myself, if people see me on Twitter, they usually see those three titles there. Awesome. I love it. I love it. You know, you talk about success a lot. You said the word success a lot there. So I'm going to flip it on the other side and talk a minute about failure. Uh, It's just something that, uh, you know, I think more and more people are are learning to embrace. And I've always uh, enjoyed, I've always loved not the act of failing and certainly don't like it when it happens, but I've always loved and said that I've been fortunate enough to, to fail a lot and learn a lot. And and I'd love to, to to talk with you about that a minute. Can you share a time in your in your life and your career where you've where you've had a fail in it? It could be something big or something small, but something that was challenging for you. Um, kind of let us know like how you felt when that happened, and then what did you do to overcome it, and then really what did you learn from it? What was the lesson that you took away from it? I think, and I'll sort of group them into one. But uh, throughout my career, I was always a go getter, even as a young teacher, and so I tried for different positions that would come out. 
uh, I knew I wanted to go a little bit into the leadership role and the whole transformation piece, especially once technology started booming and all these uh, apps and different technologicals came out. So I really wanted to go out there. So I applied for many different jobs within my district and out there. And I think for the first probably about seven years, I got a lot of no's. And to me, those are big failures. And some of them hit me really hard uh, because I've sort of, I sort of built it up where, oh, I'm the best person for this job and I'm going to get it. And then you sort of get the news, oh, well, we chose someone else. And so uh, in all those moments, it really it humbles you. It brings you down because you thought, okay, I'm really the best person for the job. But at the same time, it sort of drove me down the path where I went in the past 15 years as an educator. And I think if I didn't go through those failures, I wouldn't have ended up where I did, which brought me to where I am today. And I'm super glad and happy for where I am. So I think that those failures for me, as much as in the moment, uh, I wasn't happy. Uh, a lot of uh, questioning, a lot of, uh, am I doing the right thing? Uh, even I remember my first year uh, after teaching, I was questioning of whether I should have stayed in education. And I think a lot of teachers go through that, but I think it's that whole idea of perseverance, but also talking to people and having that support system that really helps you get through it. But it's also okay to have those those moments where you just feel down because you have to live your emotions. So you can't just brush it off, live it, go through it, but then give yourself new objectives and just keep going. That's awesome. So in, during those times where you, in the, in, uh, I want to pinpoint on the moment where you, where you said that you actually can like thought about the fact, I mean, is teaching even right for me? Should I even be a teacher? Can you recall what it was that made you go, Yes, I am supposed to be a teacher. That was just doubt. I'm. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, I would say it's funny. After my first year of teaching, I was uh, adamant probably about leaving at one point, like big time. Uh, I can't pinpoint necessarily where it sort of turned around. But I know as I went into my second year and then I ended up changing districts, going from middle school to high school, uh, I think I just found my groove. I found my niche. And I had so much fun that year. That when I look back, I'm like, yes, there were challenges, there were obstacles, and I mean, it wasn't easy, and I don't think anybody's first year goes off without a hitch, but uh, it really made me who I am as an educator now and made me uh, sort of develop some core beliefs, core values, be different uh, in the classroom than a lot of people, and I think uh, that second year was really sort of my transition year into the rest of my career. It's really funny in, when you're a teacher how those small shifts can make a huge impact on your success. You know, a lot of people go into teaching and they know they want to be a teacher, but a grade level or a different school district or a different subject, I mean, like, those can really change a teacher's success. You know, not every teacher is meant to teach in, you know, a small town in central Illinois. You know, trying to find the right fit is really important, so it's interesting that that even after your first year making a few adjustments and looking back saying, yeah, you know, now I figured out where I need to be. Yeah. And I mean, I started off as a social studies history teacher. My background uh, was a lot in history and that's what I thought I was going to do really for my career. And then when I switched, I went into English language and honestly, I am so passionate and have so much fun and I can't imagine really doing anything else. Oh my gosh. I know. I originally started my career teaching science and when I got back into math and that became kind of my focus in teaching, I was like, all right, now I'm in a good spot. This is where I need to stay. <laughs> I totally understand. It's amazing. Like certain contents connect with certain teachers, but if the content is easily connected to the teacher, then 
usually that can translate really effectively to those students too. So that, that content can make a big difference. Definitely. Very cool. All right. So now let's, let's flip it around. Let's talk about a success you've had. So this can be something big, can be small, but tell us about something, a, a moment or a, a time where you just re- really felt successful. Tell us what it was that, that, that happened. Why was it a success to you? And then what did you take away from that? I'd have to say probably my biggest success was three years ago when I accepted uh, sort of a leave of absence from my uh, my district. We call it a secondment. So they basically lent me to the Ministry of Education, which is sort of the government side, if you wish, mm-hmm. of policies and programs for education. And that's where I went in to, uh, to support and implement student success programs from grades 7 to 12 here in Ontario. Uh, I went in. Uh, it's something I wanted. I was looking for a change. I was looking to challenge myself. But I was ready. I had all my answers ready to say, Do you know what? It's just not for me. I was I was still doubting if it was if it was going to be my fit and if I was going to get that position. And uh, lo and behold, uh, they offered it to me. And uh, I remember sitting with my wife and talking about the changes that it's going to bring to our family and everything. But honestly, those three years, I've learned so much. It's the connections I made. Uh, I got to travel to different districts all across the province, meet with different teachers superintendents principals learn so much from them uh and now that i'm back i mean it brought me to twitter it brought me to great conferences i think most of the people i know on twitter now it wouldn't have happened if i didn't have this experience because that helped me sort of branch out go do research go talk to educators collaborate reach out and find my tribe and so uh, i think that that was probably my biggest professional success but now i'm even more motivated going back to the classroom to sort of implement and bring in all these ideas and all these connections that I got a chance to learn through the past three years and now live it with students at the same time. So definitely probably that has been a highlight just to where it has brought me today. Gosh, I think that's one of the my favorite things being a part of the Teach Better team is getting to go into other educators' classrooms. I love social media. We've talked about that a lot in other episodes and how valuable growing your network can be. But the simple act of walking into another teacher's classroom, there's so much you can take away in just visiting for one small moment in another teacher's area. So to be able to do that for three years and, you know, really see what other educators are doing in your area and, you know, see their students and see their classrooms and their struggles and their successes. I mean, I, that's that's so exciting. I think that that can have such a huge impact on what you can then pick up and obviously bring back to your classroom. Definitely. Like it's, it was a unique opportunity. I'm glad I took it. I had a lot of uh, freedom in leading and sort of suggesting how we should look at it. And I had an amazing team working with me. I mean, it was just a great experience, but I'd say I'm just equally excited about this new adventure that I'm going back on. So, I mean, it's, it's really a lot of what you do with what's given to you. And I think that was just, it came at the right time. And now uh, this next part is coming at the right time too. Do you have something that you saw in other classrooms that you feel like what, something that you easily was like, oh, yeah, I have to take that up and bring it back to my classroom? Do you have an example of that? Uh, I think the teachers or the classrooms that really, I think, spoke to me the most are the ones where the teachers took the time to reflect and work with other people at the same time. I mean, I've seen a lot of, I mean, we talk a lot about flexible seating and that whole flexible environment. I mean, I want to really go into that as part of my my coming back to the classroom but i think it 
goes hand in hand with the pedagogy that they have. And I think these teachers who are so willing to talk about it and they talk about how they go out of the way to collaborate and bring other teachers in and open their doors, but sit there and reflect and the principals that really take the time and say, you guys need time to talk about it, to learn from it and then work together. And I'll give you that time. That's probably where I've seen the biggest change. And I think even the principal that I have right now, I've talked to her about the different things I've seen and what I want to do. And she is super into trying things out and being a leader and a pioneer and just learning from mistakes. And so I think we're going to mesh really well back at my school. Uh, But I think just bringing that idea of breaking down the silos, breaking down the walls and opening things up. I mean, those collaborations within the school, but also outside of school through social media or through Skype or whatever, uh, I think those have brought in probably the biggest uh, positive experiences for students and for teachers. I think you just touched on one of my favorite topics with Jeff. I feel like I say that during every episode that we've recorded, that I have a favorite topic that somebody brought up. But the concept of reflection is huge. And I actually just finished my thesis on this topic of not only teacher reflection and the value that can bring to actually give teachers permission to take the time to reflect and enhance their craft, but then going back to also having students do that. We do that a lot with our mastery framework is finding times for students to really stop and reflect. And that's so valuable. It gets me so excited about what's going on in education because I think teachers are becoming more cognizant of the need to really pause a classroom and give students time to reflect on their own learning, to reflect on their successes, to reflect on their failures. I mean, this is a whole process. So Outside of the reflection, can I ask you, what is something you're so excited about right now in education? Uh, I think, I mean, I have excitement about flexible seating and that, and I want to go into that, but I'm really, I think, passionate about trying out what I call personalized learning. And I think it's gone through different definitions that different people have talked about it. And to me, it doesn't have to be with technology, because a lot of times when we talk about personalized learning, you have that technology piece in it and that, but I really want to try and go with my students into uh, this is our class. We don't have to learn everything at the same time as a group, like I call it sort of the herd effect. So traveling like a herd of cattle. And I think it's just, this is what we have to learn this year. Uh, How do you want to learn it? What do you want to do to show your learning? And how long do you think it's going to take you? And I mean, one student may do this version and it may take them two, three weeks and another one will take them one week and then they'll move on to other things. And having that differentiation where they just have that freedom to develop their passions and their learning, I'm really trying to design this year where each student could take their leadership and ownership over that learning. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I mean, it's a first for me to really go into it that deep. But I think that we can have some magical experiences where we try and give that leadership back to students and see what they can do. And then sort of step back, be their guide, do a lot of conferencing, some one-on-ones, and just uh, watch them go on their journey. Oh man, Roman, see that get that gets me excited knowing that you're going that direction because that's that's a big direction that we go when we work with teachers and stuff is is shifting that ownership back to the student and letting them really own their journey there and giving them those options and an opportunity to learn the way they learn because we don't all learn the same way. And what we've seen is that when that when you do that and and if you do it in an effective way and stick to it, they will take that ownership and it it changes the game for them. So I I'm excited to hear how how it goes for you. Um, and Ray, I think what we need to do is bring them back maybe oh, mid semester in the spring or something like that and get an idea of, of how it's going and do a recap. Put that on Absolutely. your calendar for sure. So that's really exciting. 
Wait, I have to though. You can't just bring up flexible seating and not talk about flexible seating. <laughs> I was I was thinking of you right when you said that too. I yeah, I can't. I love flexible seating. It's really interesting learning from other educators on their viewpoints on it because I have a lot of educators I follow that are incredibly progressive. I love their ideas, but they are completely against flexible seating. And then I have the exact other extreme on the other side of my network. So originally, I was going to ask you what advice you have for new teachers, and maybe that is a separate question I should ask you. But really. Why should someone dabble with flexible seating and how do they get started if you think they should? Uh, I think everyone should try it out. Uh, I totally understand the teachers that uh, aren't comfortable with it or don't want to necessarily go down that road. It's very uh, it's very unstabilizing for a teacher to really change that out because you can't change your seating and then keep teaching the same way that you're teaching. And I think I dabbled in it about five years ago when I wanted to really go full out and then I didn't have any budgets for it. So I sort of asked around and I got six round tables for my classroom. Uh, it changed from the individual desks that I had. It wasn't very flexible, it was different. But that's, I think, where I learned that having the same of everything, even if it was different from student desks, doesn't work either. And so that's yeah. where the flexibility portion comes in. But there's also that importance of you can't, decide everything yourself you need to have some student participation in the whole design and thinking process because again we talk a lot about student voice and choice if you design the whole thing for them you're taking that opportunity away from it uh so that's an important piece i think every year when you talk about flexible seating it should change slightly don't keep it the same way for 10 years and then just say well we have flexible seating because things change as students change and so even teachers between each other should be able to sort of trade out, well, here, how about you take these tables and I'll take those tables and did it work, didn't it work? Because even us, we're going to get too comfortable with certain situations. And so that, that important piece of just trying things out and becoming sort of those researchers and talking to students about it and seeing how it works, I think that's such an important piece, but have more seats than you have students. I think in most of the classrooms that I visited and I've talked to teachers, that has stuck out. If you have 20 students and 20 seats, you take away again that whole choice piece. And so if you had maybe 25 to 30, depending on how your classroom looks, you can at least then have those extra pieces and students could really sort of move around throughout the day and have that freedom and flexibility. And I think that's one of the important aspects when talking about flexible seating. So you mentioned the like the student choice don't just design it for them. Are you are you going to be working with your students on what types of seating and how it's arranged uh, at the start of the year or yeah, so I changed the desks that I had. I had those desks that are still attached to their chairs, and I have a hard time with those. Mm -hmm. uh, so I switched them with another teacher who wanted them, and I have right now individual desks with chairs that still sort of come up to them. And I've sort of grouped them, and that's my attempt. I've talked to my principal. I'm going to have some tables brought in, but I didn't want to go full out and buy everything because I want to be able to get to know my students, and I want to be able to hear from them. And I mean, I've yeah. read a lot about flexible seating, uh, but I also want to know what they think and I want to sort of reflect with them as we go through the year and then have those different pieces every year and bring it in and see what we change throughout the semester and by the end of the year and be able to bring in maybe another teacher on the journey next year and then where we can sort of swap out or how about you take this and then I'll take this this year. So I really want to try it out and I want my students to give me the feedback like by video I want to collect it. And I want to be able to work with students every year at, well, what works, what doesn't, and what do you like? And then you can see just how different students are because we tend to put them as the one size fits all the kids will love this because it's new seating. Well, you know what? You'll always have your some students that prefer their individual desks and want those. And so you have to have those options for them.
gosh, I think that's such good advice. I actually have all the flexible seating conversations that I've had because I truly, truly love this topic. I have not heard the recommendation of having more seats than students, but your explanation couldn't be more spot on. I just, I love it. Good luck with that. I have dabbled with it for a number of years and it's a growing process like you communicated. So it will be awesome. Can't wait to see what you come up with. Thank you. Jeff, I think this is the scary part where you have the six questions in 15 seconds and I'm already getting nervous for it. Do we want to do that or we want to go to the one piece of advice for a new teacher? Oh, yeah. Did you have one, Roman? Do you have a piece of advice for a new teacher that is either starting out in the career or in a new district or even just somebody early on in their career? What type of advice do you feel like they need starting out? I think there's two pieces of advice that I would give out. First is reach out and collaborate. So get connected by whatever medium you choose. I mean, I love Twitter. Everyone knows that. But I mean, any social media or even collaborations or uh, different teachers in your own school or district or any friends that you have in it, just find sort of that core group that you could talk to and reflect with because I think that's an important piece. But I think the second one, and I had a hard time with this beginning of my career, is being able to go against the grain and not be afraid, especially if you have research backing it up, if you know in your gut, if you've talked to your students, just because someone said you should do it this way, if you think that there's a better way, don't be afraid to do it if it's better for kids because there's a lot of things out there that people do because it's been done for many years it doesn't necessarily have its validity or purpose anymore but we just do it because it goes through motions or somebody uh, told us that this is the way to do it uh, but it's important to sort of go into that research and make things your own and really go out there and look at your students know your students build those relationships and once you know them Make sure that you offer the pedagogy that works for them and not the pedagogy that just someone said works for this amount of students. So I think don't be afraid to try things and get things wrong, uh, even if it's not the most popular uh, decision or answer at that point. I love that, Roman. I, I'm always telling teachers that we work with to don't just what you just said, don't be afraid to try something and, and make a mistake. It's okay to mess up. It's okay to fail. It's okay to fall on your face. As long as you constantly and always have your students in mind and you are doing what you believe is right for them, like that's okay. Like You're going to be okay. You're going to be able to readjust and be able to adapt and, and move on. So I love it. Perfect. All right. Now I'm going to flip it to the scary part, as Ray put it. It is the scary part, Jeff. Every single so, time we do a podcast and this <laughs> comes up, it, I find it scary. So it's also like the – it's like our, our – I think that's our favorite part, even though like all of everything seems to be Ray's favorite part. But um, so here's what we're going to do. Roman, I got six questions for you, and we're going to try and answer them in 15 seconds or less. Sounds good. You ready? What is one ed tech tool you cannot live without? Recently, it has to be Flipgrid. I think the power of collaborations, the power of voice, the video, uh, the flexibility and versatility of the tool, that is my go-to this year. What's uh, one book that you're reading right now? Uh, I have fallen in love with Alan Gratz uh, as an author, and so I'm reading Code of Honor right now, but all of his books have really spoken to me. They're amazing. Nice. Uh, who do we need to follow on Twitter or social media in general right now? Uh, shout out to two people who I work a lot with. So Brandy Miller, a grade one teacher in Florida, and Eli Kasaus, who is a principal in New Mexico. Uh, amazing educators who have great insight, and I exchange a lot with them. Awesome. What's the what's a the best YouTube video uh, channel or website blog for educators? 
so YouTube, there's two that I watch a lot, and that the TED or TED Ed, all the different TED Talks, uh, and also the Teachonomy uh, by Chuck mm. Poole. He has yep. a lot of amazing videos that give you great reflections. Yes, he does. We love Chuck. We do love Chuck. What is uh, one daily, weekly, or monthly routine that every teacher should get into? Uh, well, daily, I love my daily coffee. Anyone would tell you that. But I think just <laughs> taking the time to, uh, to read, uh, whether it's on mm. social media, whether it's a book or whatever, just taking that time to just sort of put everything out and focus on one thing. Everyone needs to find uh, their one thing. Love it. And finally, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Be yourself. Uh, too many times we try to fit in with everyone else and uh, don't be someone you're not. Just be true to who you are in the classroom and who you are anywhere. I love it. That, that was not bad at all, sir. I think we nailed it. I think we did. It was great. I think we got it, right? You think so? I think so. You know, most <laughs> people don't stay within the 15-second parameters, and that's really the part that makes me both nervous because just so everybody knows, as we're recording our podcast kind of all around the world right now, all of us in separate locations – Jeff is actually in his basement with a stopwatch, making sure that everybody is under 15 seconds. So that's why it makes me so nervous. But Roman, you you killed it. Great job. Yeah, it was awesome. So Roman, I have the last question that really just deals with extending this conversation. How can people connect with you? What's the best outlet? And then if they just want to continue this conversation, where can they look to just keep dabbling? Uh, so probably Twitter is where my biggest presence is, uh, daily for sure. And that's at Novak N O W A K R O. Uh, I post daily, I retweet, I participate in a lot of different Twitter chats. Uh, and I also have uh, my own Twitter chat with Eli Kasaus, which is the hashtag be kind edu, which is on Sunday nights. Uh, so that's probably number one Twitter. Uh, I, I am on Instagram and I think that's where I'll be sharing. It's roman.novak. Uh, I will be sharing my journey with students and there'll be interviews. And as we go through dabbling with uh, flexible seating and personalized learning, and I really want them to use social media as a positive outlet. So we're going to be using that. Uh, I do have my blog website, which is Mr. M R Roman Novak altogether dot wordpress.com. Uh, I want to get my kids in on the blogging. So I'm going to try and be a little bit more regular on it right now. I go when it inspires me, uh, but it also has my contact info on there. Uh, I am on Facebook, uh, probably less educational. It's more of my social outlet. Uh, don't have a YouTube channel yet. That is in the works. Uh, and uh, hopefully uh, there will be a book on the horizon at some point. That's been probably a dream of mine uh, since I started teaching. Uh, and I think teaching language arts, I've always wanted to. So I have some ideas. I'm working on it. But uh, I also have a family, and I want to devote... Uh, as much time as I can with them, uh, especially while my kids are young. So those are probably the different ways that people can contact me. And on my WordPress site, there is my email. So I mean, please, anybody, feel free to ask questions. I am a pedagogical geek or nerd, I call myself, <laughs> because I just love everything about learning and pedagogy. Fantastic. So you guys know that you can find all the links, all the contact, everything that Roman's mentioned that we talked about throughout the episode. Um, over at teachbetter.com, um, especially those really important links for connecting with Roman. So make sure you head over to teachbetter.com for all of that. Be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss any more of the episodes that we've got coming up. And if you can give us a rating and a review, that would be absolutely awesome. We'd really appreciate that. Roman, really, truly appreciate you taking time and sharing your stories with us and, and your, your wisdom and your pure awesomeness. We really appreciate you. 
and we look forward to uh, hearing your journey and watching your blog and, and looking for those interviews with your students and seeing how flexible season's going and everything else. So truly appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time and, and hanging out with us tonight. Well, thank you very much for the invitation. It's been great to have this discussion with you guys. All right, guys. Until next time, let's get out there and let's teach better. 